So welcome everybody. Um, I'm Matt Smock, Director of Northern Michigan University Center for Teaching and Learning, and along with Mark Boucher from Lake State and Mike Meyer from MTU, we're happy to welcome you to the first in our new UPTLC virtual workshop series, Teaching in Uncertain Times, uh, with uh, even next uh, spring 2021 being a little bit uncertain at this point, we decided that we were not going to try to bring back the physical UPTLC conference until 2022, but we wanted to go ahead and do something this year that could still hopefully be useful to people, and so we came up with the idea of this online series, and I'm excited to see so many people joining us for the first one in what's still a very hectic part, I'm sure, for all of our semesters. So we're going to have two presentations today, about 20 minutes each, and then we will have breakout rooms at the end. Uh, you'll be able to pick which breakout room you want to go to, so be thinking about that as you're listening to the presentations, and you can rename yourself in the chat and indicate whether you want to go to, uh, by changing and putting a, like an E in front of your name in the chat, or, you re, or I'm sorry, in the participants list, you can rename yourself. If you want to go to Elizabeth Park's breakout room, you'll add an E to your name. If you want to go to Nadun's breakout room, you'll go to, you'll put an N in front of your name. Am I forgetting anything, Mike or Mark? Oh, it's wonderful. Okay, so well, we don't have a lot of time, so without further ado, I will turn things over to Elizabeth Parks from LSSU's Theater Department to talk about enhancing pedagogical impact through voice and movement. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm excited to sort of kick off this really great conference um, and to get to spend some time and energy with all of you today. So I do teach theater here. I teach acting, directing, voice, movement, theater history. But one of my, two of my specialties are uh, voice and movement. And I'm really interested in how that can apply, how applied theater can, can help enhance our teaching in the classroom. So uh, I'm interested in ways to avoid vocal fatigue and vocal fry or vocal injury and maximizing your presence in the classroom. I feel like I need to be <laughs> looking out here as well, trying to get to everyone. Um, so I want to talk about three things. Uh, so some, some vocal work that I specialize in. We're going to talk about notions of energy and what that means to be in a classroom and share your energy with people. And then just some movement tips. Um, to also maximize sort of your, your status and the way to package the beautiful content that we're all, that we each teach. So um, I wanted to start with a little sort of physical check-in um, and you feel free to sort of participate at whatever level you're interested. We'll just do a little roll down and roll up. And this can be a great thing to do in your office two minutes before class to just reconnect um, and sort of checking with points of tension. So um, let's actually start with a big yawn. Big mm. stretch. Oh. Wow, so big. One of the things that I advocate is that I think yawns are good. Yawns are natural relaxer energizers in my book and in my vocal world. It's a way of your body going, I need oxygen. I want to be part of this event. I'm not trying to check out. 
So I, I, I put it in my syllabus. You are allowed to yawn in my class, right? Please yawn at will. Now I often find once I start, kind of hard to stop. So now that we've done that, I want to just go ahead and release your head forward and release your shoulders. I'm going to roll down. You're probably going to lose me at some point, but let gravity do gravity's work. And you're rolling down and rolling down. Take a second to check in with your breath. You can put a hand on your low back. You want to breathe into your low back. Everything starts with the breath. Everything connects to the breath. Breath is energy and life. So just checking in with your breath. And on an inhale, into your low back, exhaling, rolling up ever so slowly, slowly unfurling one vertebra at a time. And another inhale. And a lovely self-indulgence exhale, rolling up the shoulders are released forward, the head is released forward. Inhale again. And on an exhale, coming up, still allowing the shoulders to be released forward. We're almost there to complete the journey. Inhale again. And let the shoulders melt into place. Try not to place them. Keep the head released forward. And one more inhale. And on an exhale, just let your head float on top of your neck. Feel a sense of ease, of buoyancy. The vocal work that I teach um, is all about optimization and um, strength without strain in our voice. So I teach Les Lesak kinesthetic training, which was developed by Arthur Lesak, who was an opera singer who immigrated from Israel and ended up becoming a vocal coach and a speech pathologist here in the United States, and developed this system because he was around all of these beautiful opera singers that couldn't speak in their daily lives. How often do we know people a talk like this? And it's really everything, just the sound just slides out. <laughs> so, so two key things um, that he, he puts forth um, are tonal energy, the warmth and timbre of your voice, and consonant energy. So I'm going to start with consonant energy because that, uh, consonants are the spine of language. That is where intelligibility rests. And so in this time where we have masks or we're distanced from people, it's really important to land on and play all of those consonant opportunities. Um, and so what he asserts is that we often cut out the middle consonants of words and the final consonants of words. We tend to pronounce the first ones, but leave out the middle and the last consonant. And so those are the opportunities that you want to look for in, in your speech. Um, my, one of my favorite words to pronounce is government. There's so many, you get the R and the N and the M, and then you get an N and a T to play at the end. And I keep saying play because all of these consonant sounds, and we'll, we'll, I'll go through a few with you, and we'll look at um, an, an image here in a moment, uh, are related to musical instruments. And so he's really looking at exploring the musicality of the voice. So the N sound, for example, is a violin. Mm, 
and the M is the viola. Mm. We have the Z, bass fiddle. Z. And the L, saxophone. Mm. Right, we also have percussive sounds. We have the B, timpani drum. Bah, 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 bah. And then if you turn off the voice, you get it to cognate the P. Um, so to give you a visual, I'm going to go over and share my screen for you now so you can see what on earth I'm talking about. Oops. I think the projector is warming up. Oh, it should just show. Yeah. Um, so so we have all of these lovely sounds. We have the CH crash symbol. And my favorite, the TS hi-hats. Like the word bits, at the end of the word bits. Um, I'm notorious for always cutting off the T at the end of the word all right. I was all right, right? How often do we sort of slide through those last opportunities? And again, adding more and more enriched intelligibility to, to the information that we're putting out. Um, and eventually, when I work through all of these consonant sounds, and we do um, a consonant orchestra scat band, we'll have some one person start out with a t, t and then someone will add a b, 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 b. Um, So just to keep on track with my time, I want to just introduce this concept of, of consonants, and we can talk about this more in breakout rooms. So I'm going to turn off the projector now, because <laughs> that's the only thing I needed to share. Oh, and I have to stop sharing. I'm back. <laughs> the, the other vocal Thing that Lessac puts forward is, is um, tonal energy, and that's the warmth and timbre of your voice. It's no coincidence that we love James Earl Jones's voice, right? There's a richness, there's a warmth, there's a depth to it. And often, um, so we're trying to look for, for deep, rich sounds, and working in what uh, I assert is the lower third of your register. Uh, as a woman, we're supposed to be yeah, there's rain that's happening. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use my vocal training, right? Uh, no, I, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, as a woman, right? We're supposed to be light and little and thin and pretty. Well, I'm advocating you can have some anchor and some richness and some you can be heavy and weighty, and students will enjoy listening to that more than if I went in the classroom and I talked like this for 50 minutes. They're going to just, so you want to be working from your chest resonator, right? So you can put your hand even on your chest to feel this. And if you do a higher pitch sound, there's not much vibration that's happening there. And the lower you go, okay, right? We have five different resonators. This one, our nose, the mask, our throat, and our chest. We want to be working 
from here. And that's also you're getting more bang for your vocal buck, right? That you don't have to work so hard to be loud. So, so consonant energy and tonal energy, a little vocal warm-up that you can do for yourself, um, is humming, working in the lower third with this chest resonator on a Y-E sound. And it doesn't have to be even loud. Right, you're just waking up, you're getting buzziness and energy and forward facial posture, which is really important. I think, I'm not from Michigan, but I've noticed people kind of talk in the back of their throat, that mouths are sort of reach back. Um, and you're gonna, again, you're gonna have less vocal strain if you try to, what we're trying to achieve is a thing we do at sporting events anyway. And you can do that physiologically, naturally, with your own face. Wonders of wonders. Okay, so that's, that's vocal energy. I wanna talk about just energy in general. So Patsy Rodenberg is a British theater coach who, and a Shakespeare coach uh, and a vocal coach. And she puts forth that we have like sort of three circles of energy that we operate in. There's first, second, and third circle energy. And first circle is that sort of like withdrawn, kind of wrapped into yourself, almost imploding sense of energy. Second circle is where we're in communication with people. We're in the space, we're really connecting. And second circle energy is one that's really aggressive and hard and pushes, right? And third circle can be effective initially, but it loses its potency quite quickly. So we want to aim for second circle. What, how, how do we even feel this? Okay. So put your hand in front of your mouth, right? And breathe to your hand. And just naturally, you don't have to force air out just yet. And now breathe past your hand. You're not paying attention to the, the, the connection point. And now breathe just shy of your hand. It almost falls back into you, right? So we want to aim for breathing to our hand, right? We want to aim for that sense of point A to point B, that there's a reciprocal conversation happening. So in those moments when you ask a question in class and you get, <laughs> take a second, breathe to them, right? Breathe to them to try to stay in it because you know, you can't be like, oh God, are they gonna say anything? Are they not gonna say anything? <laughs> and you can retreat into first circle energy. So tonal energy, consonant energy, um, and second circle energy, really being in communication with people in the room, right? I don't know how I'm doing on time. You've got about five minutes. Okay, I just have, just a, a few final points um, on movement. So I also taught a course in presence and performance. One of the things that I, I advocate, don't hide your center, right? Um, it, it, 
it's, it does feel vulnerable and you do feel open and that's that's kind of the point <laughs> don't hide your center this is this is uh, not only your center of gravity but sort of your emotional gut will center as well so um, especially when students come up and talk to me i always try to get into this posture and here's the beautiful thing about humans we're neurologically hardwired to imitate to like to repeat the thing that we're seeing so if you're open the hope is they will reciprocate that if you're breathing to them the hope is they will breathe back to you and you can start to build connections with students um, so don't hide your center. Stay grounded. Um, I get, I'm kind of a high-octane person and I get really excited sometimes and I get moving around, but you have a lot more impact if you sort of hold your ground, right? And I know we have to vacillate from the board and back into computers. Um, so, so hold your ground and be intentional about your movement. So if you are going to cross, and stick the landing, right? <laughs> um, one of the habits of young actors is that they're really fidgety, <laughs> or there's the teen lean, right? So come into kind of a neutral open position. Um, in terms of intentionality of movement, if you look at like award shows and Oscars, and I talk about this with my students, you don't see, um, I don't know, Angelina Jolie go out to present an award and it's like, <laughs> she goes out and they hit their mark, right? So, and here's the deal, here's the payoff. It gives you higher status. It gives you higher status and inherently amps up your authority in the room, right? Low status people tend to, you know, fuss, there's all this nervous energy. So really anchoring yourself. Uh, I'm checking my notes. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and one final strange thing that I want to uh, propose. <laughs> so one of the theater specialties that I teach is Japanese no theater. And in Japanese no, it's very stylized movement, but the actor is meant to just lean slightly forward. You're, it's not like it's not like a slalom where you're. <laughs> that ski jump you know posture but if you're just you're just sending your weight forward and again you're coming to them you're sending your energy to them um, so at moments maybe when you feel ungrounded or if you you, you know if you really feel like you're losing them just a little whoop, <laughs> and lean forward into them again we're neurologically wired to repeat that so again the hope is they lean back into you and then, oh, voila, minds are coming together again. So, uh, yes, yep. So that, those, those are my final points. And I look forward to our breakout sessions and getting to discuss more of this work. But uh, hopefully you have a few tips and pointers to wake up your, your vocalization and your movement in class and um, and in turn, um, receive greater engagement from your students. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Elizabeth. See you in the breakout room. Okay.
Okay, so I'm gonna just make some changes here um, and uh, set things up so our next speaker can get um, started. But I wanna remind you that the breakout rooms will follow the second presentation. Um, and if you have not done this before, the easy way to indicate which breakout room you wanna be in is to hover your own, over your own video. So put your mouse over your own video and you'll get these three little dots in the upper right-hand corner. And one of the choices there is rename. And so for instance, if I wanted to see Elizabeth's um, presentation, I would just add an E dash in front of my name as I just did. And again, if I hover over the three dots and hit rename, then I changed my mind and I decided that I wanna see Nadine and Jacobs, I just changed that to an N. So um, at any point during the second presentation, if you make a decision, um, feel free to go ahead and make that change. Uh, and I'll be placing people kind of as we go so I can get people into the breakout rooms uh, as quickly as possible after the second presentation wraps up. Um, Nadun and Jacob, you, uh, or Nadun should have the floor, I think, or the ability to share. So if you want to go ahead and share your first introductory slide, I'll introduce the two of you. Sure. Okay. So um, Nadun and Jacob are both PhD candidates in Michigan Tech's mathematical science departments, and they're both what I would call super TAs um, in the sense that they've been recognized at least on campus and in some cases outside of campus um, with teaching awards. Uh, both have made presentations at um, previous conferences um, on teaching and are really doing a great job of contributing not only at Michigan Tech, but to the broader body of uh, teaching knowledge. So I wanna introduce uh, Nadun and Jacob to talk about um, Starpoint quizzes. Uh, so thanks, thanks, Mike, for the really kind introduction. Hi, everyone. I'm Jacob. Uh, Nadun, do you want to quickly say hello to? Yeah, can you guys hear me? I can hear you. Okay. All right. Hi, I am Nadun. And uh, so for our presentation, we're hoping by the end you will understand what we mean by star points, as well as know what online chat space we were using to implement star points. But to begin our presentation, we really want to focus in on what are we meaning by methods of student engagement. Um, so we kind of approach this with three main ideas in mind. The first is to make sure to improve student to student engagement. So we have all taught courses and we all know inevitably students have questions about courses material at some point in time and additionally usually there will be some other peers in the course that might be able to answer the original students question so we want to create some sort of way for students to be able to organically interact and exchange this information with each other in addition to having two students interacting with each other, we also want to be able to improve instructor student engagement. And this it, in particular is more for outside of class meetings, not just for inside of class meetings where they're already, that tends to be where most of that type of engagement happens. And this can be done with things like online office hours or by um, giving feedback to any activities that you happen to implement in your online chat spaces. And if you're implementing activities in your online chat spaces, you you want to make sure that these are going to be an engaging activity. So a main goal of ours was to make sure to avoid the activity we are all familiar with probably for online discussions, which is 
post some sort of a comment and then reply to three of your peers' comments. Um, because in math courses, this activity can be really hard to make effective. So we set out to kind of develop a toolbox of other activities that would work in our courses and we hope might also be able to work in other people's courses as well. Um, the star point activities originated actually in one of Nadun's courses uh, and I thought it was such a cool idea that I asked if I could tag along and he let me. So last fall I, I was teaching two sections of our pre-calculus course to implement them and so to give a feel of what type of students we were interacting with in pre-calculus these are primarily first year uh, undergraduates um, that were not prepared to enter calculus uh, and before COVID, all sections of pre-calculus were taught face-to-face, -face, usually with about 30 to 35 students per section. And this is what's known on our campus as a coordinated course, meaning we have one course coordinator that assigns common homework and common exams for all the sections. Um, and then I'll throw it over to Nadun to talk about his elementary differential equations course. So yeah, so I taught elementary differential equation course, which is actually a math course for upper level students. And it was a non-coordinated course at that time. And actually I taught two sections of the differential equation course. Uh, one section was online where I had about 22 students and the other section was an on-campus course, which we nowadays say face-to-face -face courses. And we, I had about 78 students. So we gave these activities a fancy name. We call them star points activities. Uh, first of all, because we wanted to differentiate them from other homework assignments. And also we wanted to establish a fair grading criteria to assist these assignments. So here's how it works. So during the semester, all these activities will count towards participation. And participation will uh, represent about four or 5% from their final grade. And then there are three main participation assignments during three periods of the semester. So the periods are like, so from the beginning of the semester to exam one, first period, exam one to exam two, second period, and exam two to final exam, third period. And all the students will start each period with zero star points. And this is a cumulative assignment. So, um, so they would do, activities on in the online chat space and then they gradually earn star points. So their target is to earn about 78 star points for each period. So what are the activities we did? Well, I'll give you a summary here, but we will go into a deep discussion later in this presentation about these activities. So first activity is like we asked conceptual type of questions in our online chat space. And then students were rewarded for asking questions and uh, responding to other students' uh, uh, questions. And then we uh, uh, asked uh, exam-oriented exam review questions. And also at the end of each week, we asked students to create a mind map or short note about the stuff they learn and post that in, PF, in the online chat space. And uh, if they were allowed to use a note card in one of their quizzes or in exams, we encourage them to share it in the online chat space. So what's the online chat space we used? Well, actually we use Piazza. 
there are many advantages for using Piazza. Um, it's already embedded in Canvas and students can be anonymous to their peers and we can easily type math equations. We can easily give feedback as instructors. Um, however, it can be a little bit hard to manage everything in Piazza, but it's not something uh, impossible to do. So now I'll hand it over to Jacob to start talking about our activities. So one of the first activities that we did was this idea of a concept assessment. And the main goal here was to give students additional practice with key concepts that you either are going to be covering in your course or that you maybe already covered in the previous week. And what this is meant to be is just a couple of quick extra practice problems for the students to try and then be able to get feedback on how that they are doing. With this activity and all the rest of our activities, we wanted to make sure to develop a rubric that would be very easy to assign to score, allow us to post comments to a student for any of their submissions, and then for any students that happen to fall short of getting full credit, we wanted to make sure that it would the rubric would allow them to make corrections. So all of these uh, assignments are meant to be more forms of formative assessment rather than summative assessment. And for concept assessments in particular, it was kind of a mixed bag of results. These are quotes from students from the first two. You can see they both enjoyed the concept assessment activities and then there were some other students that just did not enjoy Piazza in general and I'll have a little bit more to say on that at the end of the presentation um, but for right now we also wanted to be able to show you what our rubrics look like this uh, is a, an exact reproduction of the rubric we provided to our students and our goal was always ease of use so when a student submits a response if it had the correct solution and enough justification and correct justification it would receive what we would call full star points that we assigned a value of just three star points in this case. Anything responses that fell short of that, so a wrong solution or not enough justification or wrong justification would receive one star point. And the one star point is meant to say we're acknowledging your submission, so here's some credit, thank you for making a submission, but here are some comments about ways that you can improve your response. Students then have the option to either make corrections or not. If they make the corrections and then re-upload their response, they get an additional two star points, which brings them back up to full credit for what that question was. So um, what might one of these look like? This is an example from in my course, which was one of our concept of questions from the first week. On the left, on the bottom, you will see a response, the initial response from one of the students that was very good and almost fully correct, but unfortunately missing some clear labeling on the axis of the graph, which is something I emphasize, especially in the pre-calculus course. So the student received one star point and then a comment saying, if you label your graph clearly and re-upload, you'll get four full star points, which is what the photo on the right is. And you can see when we're saying corrections, it doesn't mean that they had to rewrite out the whole solution from scratch. They literally can just revise on whatever initial piece of paper they were writing on and re-upload that. So that's our first activity and I, Nadoon has our next one. So the second activity is actually we rewarded our students for asking quality questions and uh, providing quality answers. So the whole goal here is to improve student-student engagement and faculty-student engagement. So the advantage of this is we wanted to give a students a chance to ask questions remotely and get answered. And the good thing is that in Piazza, students can anonymously interact with their peers and we can constantly give feedback 
feedback. Uh, and we came up with a rubric to grade uh, this uh, because some students might abuse the system. You know, uh, they would ask questions just to get star points. So in that case, we come up with a very simple criteria and it's a very low stake assignment activity. So students would get three star points for asking a quality question or providing a quality response or two star points uh, for providing a response. Maybe it's not clear, but it's, it's on the right line. Now, how do, we, how do we distinguish a quality question or a, or a question that's worth point or that's not worth point? So think about this. So they have a question in the homework. They ask, how can I solve this problem? Well, that's not a good question but you can convert it into a good question by taking a photo of your work and post it in, in, post it in Piazza, right? So we constantly encourage them, advocated them to write better questions and it forces them to write better questions. So for example, here the student uh, explained what's the problem is, showed their work so we can understand their level, uh, current understanding. And on the right, you can see another good thing with the Piazza is that that we can easily give feedback in Piazza. We can endorse a student's answer. So if a student's answer is clear enough and accurate enough, we can just endorse it. And then we not necessarily, we don't need to provide a feedback, additional feedback. But as a, as a good practice, we added something extra or we validated students point to, uh, to make sure that there's no confusion. Um, and then Jacob will discuss the third activity. So uh, the third activity that we did was this idea of exam reviews, which is pretty self-explanatory for the goal, which is to just give students extra practice before the exams are coming along. Um, and grading for it would have been the exact same rubric that we already talked about with the concept assessments. And we made some nice observations with this activity. Um, so it definitely gives students extra practice, which is helpful. Um, and then it also gave a chance the something that I think is extra valuable to students is it gives them a chance to receive some meaningful feedback on exam targeted questions prior to taking a big assessment. So they have a chance to correct any fundamental misconceptions that they might be having before the big test rather than taking the test and then losing a lot of points on it. Um, another benefit that I personally like is with these exam review keys, a big time sink for instructors can often be to like create your own keys. But by letting students do this in Piazza and be sharing their responses to questions, they are actually creating their own keys and students wind up creating a full key for the review guide all on their own. Now, this is still not a perfect activity. You do need to be careful about how you organize Piazza, so that way it is easily set up for yourself to navigate and for your students to navigate. And uh, you want to be smart and be careful, so that way you don't wind up too bogged down with grading. And at the end of the day, the key for this activity is student buy-in. For the students that buy-in and do it, they see and reap a lot of benefits from it. Um, so it's about making sure to encourage them to be active and proactive in actually doing these activities. And uh, so we have another example. Um, once again, should feel very, very similar to our concept assessments. The three things that I want to highlight here are that 
um, when posting exam reviews, I would always post an exam review packet. That would be separate questions. Um, Nadoon would just upload old exams from his course. So you can make it as robust as you want for um, whatever you're uploading. It is nice that you do upload something that has sort of a common worksheet for students to perform their answers on. It makes it easier to grade and makes it easier for students to organize their self-generated key as well. Um, and with that, uh, a benefit when they're making their keys is so far we've only seen paper pencil responses, but for students they can really interact with these documents however is easiest for them. So this student uh, on the left is their initial response, on the right is their corrected response, and they were doing their uh, work either on a computer or on a tablet of some sort, which is really cool. Um, and the last thing to emphasize with these exam activities is that it doesn't need to be a pre-exam exercise only. You can do the same thing for post-exams and have students answer their own questions or correct their own errors and generate their own exam keys for you as well. And then Nadoon has our almost last activity. Um, so the most successful activity that we did in Piazza is that we asked students to post a, post a mind map or a short note at the end of every week to Piazza summarizing everything that they learned during that week. And this mind map or short note can be handwritten. They can work it out on a paper, take a photo and upload it into Piazza. Or they can use a software like M8, uh, which you can see on the bottom right corner, a student created a mind map using uh, the software M8 by Microsoft. Um, so we again have a rubric to uh, grade this and also we encourage students to make corrections. So they get a second chance to make corrections to their mind map and short note. And students uh, found this very beneficial. Actually, uh, most of these benefits are these uh, things that students told us. They told us that it helped them to reinforce what they learn and stop them from procrastinating, like waiting until the exam to look back their notes and it forced them to take notes during the lecture or while watching a video and uh, more importantly it, it created a good study practice for some students and a good study aid that they can use uh, to study prepare for exams and from an instructor's perspective uh, it helped us to understand figure out the misconceptions that they have at the end of each week so it's all about actually correcting from your mistakes that's what we wanted so uh, we, we saw most of the time that most of the misconceptions are actually common misconceptions. So you can take them and you can answer them in, the, in your next class in the next week. And that's a good thing. And in my course, actually, I allowed them to use mind maps and short notes for their quizzes uh, as a replacement for note cards. And students found it helpful and it was kind of a motivator too. And another thing that students told us is that, you know, in the beginning of the semester, they were skeptical about the activity, but then they later found out that it's actually helped them to develop a very good uh, study practice. Now, this is fairly a high stake assignment. Um, so they would get six star points for neat and clearly organized, accurate, uh, uh, accurate mind map, six star points. And then uh, they can get two extra star points if they went above and beyond and you know explain everything from their own words, provide examples if necessary. 
and then make it aesthetic, then they can get eight star points. Uh, students would get four star points if they have like a one misunderstanding, well, maximum two misunderstanding or two inaccuracies, but they, they can still make changes and still can get six or eight star points. Same with two star points. If they have more than two misconceptions or misunderstanding, uh, we will provide them feedback. They can make corrections and they can still get six or eight star points. So here's an example. Uh, for example, uh, on the on the left uh, on the left corner, we have a mind map where it is very well organized. It's great, but it's missing a one important concept. So we would only give four star points in the beginning. But then student uh, added the theorem that they are missing. So on the right, you can see the changed mind map and they, it, this is eligible for six or even eight star points. So here's a mind map with eight star points. Uh, students explained everything uh, using their own words, provided examples whenever necessary and went above and beyond to make it look nicer. So that this is something that they can preserve for future study. Um, and they can create short notes as well. Um, so these are from Jacob's class. So even in a class like pre-calculus at the end of each week, they can definitely find something that that's, they can summarize and you know uh, rethink about what they have learned at the end of the each week. And Jacob will discuss the next activity. Yep, so we are also approaching the end. So just a quick shout out to what was posted in the chat uh, to make sure to be assigning which breakout room you're interested in, which you can do as we are wrapping up here. Um, so note cards were meant purely for pre-calculus students because they were not allowed to use mind maps on assessments, but they were allowed a note card. Um, so if they uploaded it, it was purely a participation grade. I did not check it for accuracy, but it was a way for students to share their resources before their exams. Um, and then next slide, Nadun. So for this, uh, we are now at our end. And uh, these two comments, I think, perfectly summarize our experiences from the student's perspective. The first is from pre-calculus, and the second is from differential equations. So for my pre-calculus students, they got to do all of these Piazza activities, plus having a regular web assign homework set as well, um, which ultimately was just too much work for them. So I had to really rein in Piazza at the end. Uh, so be mindful of what your setup is that you already are assigning work for when you're adding in Piazza. And bear in mind, what the maturity level of students is too for how much work they can expect because Nadoon students seem to a lot more organically enjoy these activities I think from just a few more semesters of experience in college courses um, for appreciating how these uh, activities could augment their study um, habits. Um, so from instructor's perspective, we saw an increase in instructor student and student student engagement. Uh, we were constantly able to provide feedback at the end of every week. And also uh, in some classes there, there was higher uh, student student engagement, but in other classes I had to constantly encourage, motivate them to have more student student engagement. And as Jacob said, we do not recommend to do all these activities if you decide to do them. The mind map activity and then rewarding students for asking questions and exam review questions, those type of activities can be a very good addition to your course. And you have to be, you have to use your office hours very efficiently. For example, if you ask students to post everything on Sunday, you can use your Monday office hours to grade them. 
use office hours themselves for grading work and then provide time to uh, uh, make corrections and then on your Wednesday or Thursday office hours again you can grade your great uh, corrections and with there are tons of tip, tips and tricks that we can share in our breakout room and we are happy to share our rubric documents they are easily adaptable you can change them they you can easily use them and thank you very much uh, for the organizers thank you for uh, giving us a chance uh, in this presentation series and then thank you for the audience for participating in our presentation and there are three special people we would like to thank here at the end uh, first uh, dr shari stokerio she did a study about this with us in the last fall and she helped us a lot and and humes and dr uh, gokenback both of them actually gave us permission to uh, do this study in the last fall so we want to thank uh, three of them as well and thank you very much and we are happy to answer any of your questions thank you excellent okay so most of you at this point have been doing a great job of uh, renaming for those of you that are not familiar with um, the breakout room feature in zoom um, what I did is just create two breakout rooms and say that I was going to fill them manually and what I'm doing now is um, looking at those and looking at names and any name that has an N, I put in uh, one breakout room and any break room that any name that has an E, I'm putting in the other breakout room. Um, so uh, if you, I'll give you one more minute to make that transition and then I'm going to go ahead and open the room so we can get our conversation started. Um, anybody who does not have an N or an E will just lurk here with me until... <laughs> until you have an N or an E. Um, so if you want to talk to me, you certainly can leave yourself uncategorized, but otherwise most of the action is going to be in one breakout room or the other. So um, try and put yourself in a category and um, enjoy some good conversation with our speakers. Um, so I'll go ahead and open the rooms for the ones that have been assigned. Um, and the presenters will be invited to the same breakout rooms and you can jump in. We are not going to pull people back together here at the end. Um, so feel free to take your 20 minutes or so in your breakout room and uh, facilitators will kind of remind you when the official time is done, but you're welcome to spend as long as the, the uh, speakers have um, talking about their presentations today. Thanks a lot for coming and enjoy your breakout rooms.